0: On this week's episode of Inside Outside Innovation, we sit down with Tamara Gandor, author of Innovation is Everybody's Business. Tamara and I talk about innovation, what it means today in today's changing environment, and what individuals and teams can do to build their innovation muscles. Let's get started. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast to help new innovators navigate what's next. Each week, we'll give you a front-row seat into what it takes to learn, grow, and thrive in today's world of accelerating change and uncertainty. Join us as we explore, engage, and experiment with the best and the brightest innovators, entrepreneurs, and pioneering businesses. It's time to get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, and as always, we have another amazing guest. Today, we have Tamara Gandor. She's the author of Innovation is Everybody's Business how to ignite, scale, and sustain innovation for competitive edge. You also have a podcast called Inside Launch Street, which I had a great opportunity to be on last week when we recorded, and we said, hey, let's get you on our show and let's share the community. So welcome.
1: Hey, Brian, it's good to see you again. It's been so long.
0: (laughs) It's nice to have you on our show. You know, Obviously, our audience has probably overlapped to some degree, but I thought it'd be important to get you on our show to talk a little bit about what you're seeing out there in the world of innovation and One of the reasons I liked your book and some of the stuff that you're doing, it's not just about the people, it's about the mechanics behind it and the blocking and tackling. And you even have an innovation quotient edge assessment that people can go through to find out how they can become an innovator in that.
1: We believe very strongly, and I think science has also shown us that everybody has the ability to innovate. I've been in innovation 25, I don't know, so many years, I can't even count now. But you know this because you're in it too. There was a lot of focus on the process and the initiatives, and the kind of structure of innovation. But what I kept seeing time and time again is that those efforts failed. And when I really kind of dug into it, what I really realized is that they were failing because they weren't focusing on the people side. Like, how do we as humans innovate? How do we unlock that in ourselves and our teams? How do we tap the power of diversity of thinking? How do we drive it from the inside to the outside, to the culture, and kind of bubbling up from there? So I think over the years, that's why our business kind of transformed into what it is and why it's been successful is because we get people at an individual and a team level to recognize their power of innovation and how to apply that in their daily world. And then from there, the initiative and the culture and the process and all that kind of follow. But I'm sure you've heard this too, Brian. It's like, I can't tell you the number of times I get a phone call from a client who says, I've invested a lot of money in whatever the latest and greatest innovation (laughs) philosophy is, and my team's not doing it. Mm-hmm. What do I do to get them to do it? And there's always this kind of, you know, awkward silence of, well, it's not that you need to do something to connect them to the process. It's that you need to do something to connect them to themselves and how they innovate.
0: Well, and that's a very important point. I think a lot of people think that innovation is that mad scientist or that founder, the yeah, only it way you can odd. innovate. So the fact that and we talk about this too, where you don't have to be a founder to be innovative. And, you know, first yeah. of all, it helps to define what innovation is for your company. And, and it's not just creating the next Uber or the next Twitter. But it can be just as simple as, hey, I've seen a problem in our way we process things. How do we go about making it better? And so that's what I liked about the assessment is it allowed everybody to play a role in innovation because I think everybody does have a role to play in creating new value in an organization.
1: Actually, I want to highlight something you said because I think it's so important. You said that innovation doesn't have to be the next like Uber, Twitter, Airbnb. I think we put a lot of false pressure on ourselves to make innovation this big blue skies disruptive thing, but and I'm sure you've seen this in your work. What I find is that the the challenge with that is it's great if it happens, but there's incredible opportunity to just rearrange the box you have. And I think that when we as the leaders go to our teams and go, we got to be disruptive, disrupt or die, like all the cliches, right, I could come up with what ends up happening is people shut down because they're like, well, but I'm staring at my box and my box is my reality. And you want me to go out the box, but I don't even know where to go outside the box. So like, I think there's this funny struggle that happens unintentionally when we're trying to force the next Uber. And if you really look at Uber, it actually isn't what it did ended up being disruptive, but it was just some mapping technology and allowing people to use their cars. Like, and I don't mean that to put down Uber, I love Uber, but like- <laughs> I think your question though was around the assessment. I just, I wanted to point that out.
0: Tell tell us a little bit about like, what does it show? And one of the things I liked about it is it talked about the diversity of skill sets and that, that have to come to play to become an innovative team.
1: So I got super obsessed with how we as people innovate. And I came to this realization very early on in my career that everybody is innovative, right? I had some experiences that made me go, wait a minute, did Jill in accounts payable just come up with an innovative idea? (laughs) Like she's not the creative one. Hold on. What is this? A couple with people constantly saying to me, when, I do a lot of keynoting. So when I go off stage and saying things like, well, that's great tomorrow that Apple does that, but what about the rest of us? Like, and how am I supposed to apply that? Me, Susie, right? We started to dig into the neuroscience, the behavioral psychology, like the real, like the research and the science behind our brains and how we innovate. And what we came to uncover in all that research and combining that with our years of experience was that everybody's innovative. It's universal, So we all do it. However, how we innovate is unique to each of us. And there's actually nine styles or triggers. So ways that we can innovate and we all have this thing. So think of it as like an equalizer. It's not that we are a void of all but two, but there are two in there that are your absolute power play, like your wellspring of innovation. And the way I do it, the two that are me, so I'm a risk taker experiential might be different than like Laura, who's on my team, who's a collaborative tweaker. And we can go into what those mean if we have the time, but the people can go to the website and take the assessment and find out. But the point of it is, it's really empowering when you understand your own strengths around innovation and how that maps on to your behaviors and your actions and really aligning that with how you operate. When people are able to tap into that innovation and bring it to their work and life every day when they understand that. So it was a combination of years of wonderful experience, but also the science behind it that actually shows us that we all have these incredible structures for innovation, but we do it a little differently. So a lot of us fall short because I see the cover of Fast Company Magazine, but the article in it says, I need to meditate in the morning and be fearless, (laughs) right? That's innovation. And then I try to do it and it doesn't work for me. And I go, well, I'm not innovative. So Mm. we have to recognize that we all do it a little differently and there's power in ourselves for that, but there's also power in Ryan, if I know how you innovate, I know how to leverage you best.
0: Right. And if I don't, then I don't. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the team aspect of innovation. I think a lot of times, again, we think about the lone wolf or the person who comes up with the crazy yeah. ideas as the innovator, but... And they do it all by themselves. Exactly. And so yeah. we know that that's not the case, but we also, I think, underestimate like how do we bring a team together, cross-collaboration and different types of skill sets to actually take on bigger problems. When do teams start in the innovation process and how does that actually evolve? And what have you seen in your experiences?
1: Can I share a couple of client stories with you? Because I think I probably explained it best. We have worked with teams. We have an online academy where it's kind of like the tools, resources, and support to innovate. And I have seen people and teams come in at the starting point where they're like, we're pulling the team together and we got to start with a place of innovation. But I've also seen teams come in that feel very siloed, disengaged, stressed out, especially with everything we've been through kind of in the last year. yeah. So there's a lot of places you can start from, but let me share an experience I had. So I was working with a huge reseller of electronics, a billion dollar company, and this was the internal auditing team. So this wasn't the sexy marketing team, right? <laughs> it wasn't the R&D team. It wasn't the innovation team. These are the, the guys and gals that are responsible for operational excellence inside the company. And the leader of the team, and in fact, I have this whole story in my book too, it's one of many, but he was brilliant. He said, you know, we have this team, we're global. We got, this was when we could all get together. said, you know, we're coming together and we've got new challenges that we're facing. We've got to dial up the innovation. We're all smart. We're all good at our jobs, but we've got to dial up the collaboration and the innovation. I see it fraying at the edges, but the challenges that are coming up are bigger than what we faced before. So we got to do this. So everybody takes the assessment. Everybody's does their IQ, like knows what their everyday innovator style is. They're all excited, of course, to learn about themselves. But then we do this exercise that was eye-opening for them. So the first, there's was about 25 of them. I broke them into teams where everybody is the same. So everybody in this team is a collaborative. Everybody in this team is a futuristic. And with M&Ms, I have them build this thing. And you could see, so first of all, the inquisitives, which is all about innovating by asking questions, didn't finish the exercise because they were too busy <laughs> asking each other questions. The collaboratives, which is all about like intersection and pulling perspectives, had a fabulous time and talked on and on. But the ideas were meh that they came up with on the table, right? Futuristics were too far in the future to like pull it back. So they're all brilliant in their own right. But when they were together and acting the same, the ideas were okay. Then I broke them up into diverse teams. So they had a little bit of everything at the table and there was some discomfort. There were some challenges. And once they figured that out, right? Because now you've got to deal with people not like you who think differently and you've got to respect it and understand and pull it out of them really. But the, Oh my God, Brian, the things that they came up with were game changing. And this was just a like hypothetical exercise, but they actually came up with stuff that they could apply to their world. I did this exercise with the Hilton as well. And the same kind of thing, the client afterwards said, I think the most brilliant thing that came out of this is we now understand how much stronger we are as a team Mm -hmm. when we recognize each other's differences and actually pull it out. We're so busy trying to get herd mentality that we're killing innovation. We're having a great time, but we're killing innovation in the process. So hopefully that answers your question of kind of where you were headed.
0: That's fantastic. I'd love to get your perspective on what have you seen maybe the mistakes that were happening 10 years ago versus the mistakes that are being made now when it comes to innovation. And, And what have you seen from that trend line from where companies have moved from innovation to where they are now.
1: Yeah, I think you and I've talked a little bit offline about this too. I think the big shift, which I'm most excited about, and hopefully we'll continue to push in that direction and help our clients do that. I do think there's a democratizing of innovation. So I do think that innovation used to be highly siloed. It was a select group of people with a special t-shirt, right, and they got to do crazy stuff. And in fact, I used to work with a large consumer package good company and they had a whole disruptive innovation team. This was about 10 years ago, actually. And their ideas were brilliant and never went anywhere because they put that idea ball over the fence to the base brands that people were running the business. And they were like, duck and weave. I want nothing to do with it. I do think we've come to this realization that innovation shouldn't be siloed. And also that it's not only for the select few. We used to believe that innovation was like this magical thing that you know, Brian, maybe you had, and I don't, but maybe if I'm by you, you'll say something brilliant I can like attach onto. So, you know, we attach these special titles to people. I think that's starting to go away. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point earlier about innovation also being small, I think companies are starting to realize that the most innovative companies are innovating across the business, not with one breakthrough product or service that happens sometimes, but, It's that innovation infused across everything that actually makes the biggest changes for them in the marketplace. So I do think there's a shift to democratize innovation, which of course makes me thrilled because I think being an innovator and being innovative is a choice, not like you can choose to leverage that or you could not, but it's there for all of us. Well,
0: and this democratization I think is sped up as well and accelerated where I'd imagine two or three years ago, you were talking about disruption and People would get it with quotes around it. They would get it, uh, but now they actually get it when the fact that the world has changed under their feet and virtually every single industry, every single company has been uh, impacted by the pandemic and other changes in and around that that have accelerated. And so the the speed at which people have now realized that they do need to innovate because the world is not going to be the same as it was before. I'd love to get your input or insights into what are some of the trends that you're seeing now because of that shift? And yeah. how are maybe corporations approaching you or or thinking about it differently now that there's that understood
1: pressure? I'm glad you asked that. It's a great question because I think there's so many angles we could cover. So I'm going to go outside and then come inside. Sure. So I think externally to your point, innovation and disruption was this thing that we put in quotes, right? Innovator die, disrupt or be disruptive. Like it all sounded good, sounded really sexy, but We were at the top of our curves, our business life cycle curves. And as you know, every curve has a cliff or a decline. And before 2020, many industries were on a top of that curve. And maybe there was a decline coming, but they were good enough that they didn't have to innovate, right? And we always say that success is the enemy of innovation, but it's really true because why would we? when what we're doing is working. It makes it harder to take the risk, to make the investment, the time, the energy. Right? All of that is actually harder. And I don't even know that I really understood it until this last year. I think this last year has forced innovation because a, a lot of companies in a lot of industries, not just technology, right? Mm-hmm. Not just hotels with Airbnb, right. Right? everybody felt it in some way. So I think one of the biggest trends I'm seeing is People are innovating outside of their inner circle in a way that I haven't seen. And let me give you a small business example. There's a restaurant around the corner for me that when the pandemic hit, they did what every other restaurant did at first. They went to to to-go curbside, right? And I'm not knocking restaurants. They had it rougher than a lot of industries. But this restaurant, the founders are really innovative and they realize we've got to do more than just what we're doing on the curb, right? That's not enough. And they realized they're in a community of families where suddenly we had kids at home all the time and we were cooking all the time. And we don't wanna order everything over Uber Eats, you know, Grubhub. <laughs> like we're cooking all, and I know this because I have two boys. So I'm like, they ate me <laughs> out of house and home in 2020. And so they started creating these at home meal kits. So you got the experience and like the flavor and the joy of this meal, but I got to make it at home and not feel like I was just right. ordering and wasting all my money. And I think those one rung out innovations are the trend that we started to see that we'll continue to see because there's so much opportunity for innovation and success in that like one, two rungs out that we haven't explored. We either stay super close in or we try to get super disruptive and go 10 rungs out. Right. And I think one and two is the place. I think that's a big, big trend. And then I think internally, we are seeing way more innovation in actually how we work than ever before. I was talking to a colleague of mine who owns a real estate company with a lot of realtors and investors and all that in his company and he goes, "You know, we had four floors in my office." He's like, "I felt very important." He said, "But the truth is, we've learned that we can work from home. So now they're taking half of one floor and they're completely remodeling the office to be this kind of flexible rotating workspace. It's going to look nothing the way it did. How we interact with our virtual meetings, our workflow process I think that there's this huge trend in not just the product and the business, but also our work style and our workflow as well. And I think we've all learned a lot of what works and what doesn't work, and that's going to change everything.
0: It's also interesting to see which companies have approached this as the opportunity to reset and look for their head versus the companies that have said, okay, let's just ride it out and get back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see which of these types of transformations and changes actually stick. And which particular company continued to innovate and continue to move things forward versus the ones that tried to go back to something that, you know, in my opinion, is not coming back.
1: It is not coming back. (laughs) Here's the thing. I'll I'll tell you this. Very early on, I was in a mastermind with a bunch of other people who own businesses similar to mine. Right? Like we're we're delivering expertise and platforms and whatever. And I'll never forget. One woman in there said, "I'm just going to write it out and see Mm -hmm. what happens." And I remember thinking, either I'm the idiot or she is? Like, I'm not sure which one of us is wrong because I'm over there making changes, hustling. I'm up at 3 a.m. trying to get like this online platform developed, right? I wasn't sure at that point which one of us was going to be on top because it was just so new what was happening. But I really think that I understand being afraid of change or hesitant or wanting to really think about it. Like, I get that. But to your point, I don't think we're ever going back to the way things were. So if We don't raise our heads up and start to go, where's the opportunity in this obstacle? How do I turn this uncertainty into my success, into innovation? Then here's the thing. When you stand still, the world still moves. So you're creating a bigger disconnect between you and what you're going for. So I could get on my soapbox about that. I I get that it's hard and I've done a lot of digging into the science of fear and how to get over it, but it's happening whether we like it or not.
0: So do you have any examples either from your own business or other clients that you may be working with that seem to get it and are pushing the boundaries further forward?
1: Yeah, I'll happily pull back and be transparent and share mine because like a lot of us, I was in the situation where at the start of 2020, the rug was totally pulled out. So we develop innovators and innovation, right, skills within companies. But I did that and my team did that through being in person, right? (laughs) 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 I was all in person. Like there was a little, we had some like online tools and platform and I'd always wanted to build something online, but I just, because I was at the top of the curve, I, I like the success was, I was too busy doing what I was doing. Right. So as you can imagine, and for a lot of us, it just came to a screeching halt one day. I mean, really, it was just like this domino effect of cancellations, Mm -hmm. not just because they didn't want to be in person, but because my clients were trying to figure out what the heck to do. Like all of us were going, well, what do we do now? Right? So that's the situation I was in. And I felt like I had two choices. Choice one was to incrementally improve, meaning take a keynote and put it online, take a strategic session and put it online, right? Take a workshop. Put it online, and a lot of colleagues. Right, your face just said it all. Brian, you're like, yeah, all right. So that's like curbside to go for restaurants. It's so close in; it's really not even innovation. And that was one path. And then the other path I could take was to say, all right. And this is where I think my clients are doing it really well too: is what are the new problems created by this change that I can solve? What are the new challenges, and what are the new needs of the people that I serve? that my company serves and how do I bring my solution to them in a way that works for them?
0: And I think that's, that's a, such a great point because I think a lot right. of companies thought about it from the standpoint of well, what do I have to do now as a company to right. change?" versus like, what are my customers going through right now? And how can I address their problems? Because they're obviously going through the same kind of things, but maybe different on how I address those particular problems. And if you only focus on what your core problems are and how you delivered it in the past versus what are my customers really going yep. through? I think that's a big disconnect.
1: Well, and I think a lot of us were on the hamster wheel of trying to solve yesterday's problems, yeah. but in a way that worked for us virtually. And that's it. And I think this, by the way, I think this is true across every industry. I don't know one industry that isn't trying to figure out or needs to figure out like how do I innovate against the new problems and the new opportunities? And mm-hmm. I think to me, that was the key to our transition was, ok, We need to develop an online platform that's about driving innovation and delivering it to people who are now virtual and need it to deal with the uncertainty versus it's a nice to have and an added cultural benefit, right? So that switched for us and we had to switch everything and how we did it. Do you get emails and you look at that email, it's from a business that you buy from and you think, why are you sending me this? So in the retail business, their Walmart sent me this wonderful email the other day that said, "Top's that it will make you look good on a Zoom call." <laughs> I was like, "Yes, that's what I need." In that same day, and they're not all trying to sell online, right? Like online selling is the obvious part. In the same day, I got an email from White House Black Market, who I've spent a lot of time and money in, saying, "Evening gowns for date night or for Valentine's." And I was like, "Where am I going? Like, <laughs> are you kidding me?" So sorry, White House Black Market, but you're, you're missing the <laughs> mark. So when I look at like what one company has done versus another, one is solving a new problem that I have that they've realized, and the other one is still solving an old problem. To me, that's the fundamental shift in how to be innovative right now.
0: I was just reading an article today about Levi's. Apparently, skinny jeans are now out, and they're going to much more uh, loose fit, you know, because that's yeah, what awesome. customers now, are out. Okay. <laughs> We've got that to look forward to. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, so I was wondering, like, are we all going to have closets full of unfashionable that's 2019 right. clothing? Like, what's going to happen next? But I think the point of that, though, is a change creates new problems to solve. And that to me is that's where innovation is. That's the exciting part. That's what we help our clients do. You know, you got to get over that hurdle and start thinking of it that way.
0: Well, and I think to bring it back to the beginning, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be required by individuals to create and build that competency of innovation, that muscle of innovation. It's not just something that, again, used to be the creative thinkers in your group. Everybody has got an opportunity now to to play a role in that. And the sooner people can start building those skills and understand where their strengths are in that and solve real problems in the marketplace, the better off we're all going to be.
1: I agree. And I think the key in what you said there, too, is the fact that it's a muscle. So the brain's not actually a muscle, but it acts like one. And so we need to warm it up. We need to exercise it. We need to be intentional about doing innovation every day. If you look at the difference between someone who you would consider wildly innovative and someone who's stuck, it's just a matter of practice, right? And going to the gym of innovation. That's really the big difference. And I think that as leaders, we have to give our people the platform, the tools and the resources to innovate daily. I can't tell you the number of times, and I'm sure you've seen this too, where leaders say, I asked my team for innovative ideas and I got nothing in return. It's like, well, you did a 180 on them, right? You've never (laughs) asked them before. And suddenly you're saying, well, my team doesn't have innovative ideas. Well, the problem's not that your team doesn't have the ideas. The problem is you've suddenly gone from zero weight to 250 and they're not there yet. We got to warm them up a little bit. So I, I think as leaders, we have to do a little bit more work, especially right now where we're dealing with fear and uncertainty and that on one hand shuts us down. But I think we need to do more work to warm our teams up and build that muscle that you were talking about.
0: Well, I think leaders too have to warm up from the standpoint of incentivizing different things in the past and recognizing that innovative ideas are sometimes going to fail and that's okay (laughs) Um, versus old ways and old measurements and, and old means of creating or building that, I guess, existing business versus something new.
1: One of the things I talk about in my book and we delve into on the academy is it's about rewarding behaviors, not outcomes. So I always joke about, there's a longer story in the book that we don't have time to get into, but I joke about it. it's like either you try something, right? It works or doesn't work. And it's either the failure shelf or it's cake on Friday, right? Yeah. And there's no in-between like Russian roulette of what you're going to get. And if you're on the other side of that, why would you put your ideas and your innovation forward when those are your options? So I think as leaders, we want to reward the behaviors like collaborating, helping someone when it doesn't benefit them, taking a risk, speaking up in a meeting and disagreeing. In fact, that's one of the ones that I reward my team for because as you can tell, I tend to not talk with question marks. I tend to be very declarative of everything I say, even when I'm asking a question. And I know that, but I don't want to drive a culture where everyone yeses me. Right. So I reward people for disagreeing with me regardless of where it goes, it's irrelevant. I reward people for giving me ideas for challenges that face the company without even reading the idea, because it's not about that. It's about rewarding them for the behaviors that drive innovation.
0: Well, Tamara, this has been a great conversation. Thank you again for coming on Inside Outside Innovation to share some of your insights. And I'm sure we'll have you back to talk more and keep this conversation going. I encourage everybody out there to grab the book, Innovation is Everybody's Business. Go online and check out that assessment. It's a really great tool and it's, it's free to kind of figure out where you sit. If people want to find out more about you or, or the book, what's the best way to do that?
1: Our website is probably the hub. So it's GoToLaunchStreet, G-O-T-O, launchstreet.com. So that's probably the best place. And the only thing I'd say is thank you. It's great to be on. I think actually cross-collaboration drives innovation. So I'm always excited when I get to be on these, not just to share my world, but I've learned so much. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you again for being on the show and looking forward to continuing the conversation.